0: woman doing extraordinary things? Well, sort of, in this week's Welsh Rugby Union podcast. What does rugby give you when facing the most severe conditions on the planet in one of the hardest challenges around? Well, former Wales women's player Rebecca Rowe is about to find out as part of the Antarctic Fire Angels team. To find out much more, she spoke to myself and Graham Gillespie.
1: Let's do some background first. Uh, How did the Antarctic Fire Angels come into fruition?
2: Basically, the two founders, Nikita and George, we were all at a Women in the Fire service weekend back, or I think it was in 2019. And the keynote speaker there was a woman called Sophie Montague, and she was part of the Ice Maidens team, so an all-female army team that had gone to Antarctica and done a similar expedition what we're going to do and basically she talked about it and they were both massively I was there as well actually they were massively inspired and so was I Um, to the point where they decided well a, a firefighting team has never done it or female team as well and emergency services um have never done anything like this why don't we do it so that's where the idea was born and then sort of a few weeks later they both went to their fire services to Georgia South Wales and um, obviously Nikita is London and basically kind of I was in a a group where we all kind of do like a venture racing type things and she just put it out there on the group you know I've got this idea does anyone fancy it and I just thought wow this sounds absolutely amazing also crazy but amazing I just privately messaged her and thought said you know please please consider me whatever I need to do etc you know I would absolutely love to be part of this and then that was it, really. We didn't have any trials or anything in the end, because Nikita needed two people from London and George and needed someone from South Wales. So I kind of just put my hand up and got selected, basically. And that was it. Then the idea was born. The team was formed, and yeah, and here we are now, basically.
1: And am I right? There's six of you going, isn't there?
2: Five of us now. Five. Yeah, there was six of us, yeah. but um, unfortunately, one of the girls had to drop out for she's got two um, two young children, and um, so um, for family reasons and um, I think she was find it really difficult basically to, to fit everything in because it is a big pull on everything and life so um, yeah just the five of
1: us now. So obviously the frozen chosen as you like to be called so uh, yeah. you were selected <laughs> and then um, you know you got uh, the expedition in front of mine centre. How big a setback was COVID because obviously you can't train in lockdown or anything like that so was that a huge blow to you guys training for this huge event?
2: Yeah, it was. There has been a few advantages to it, actually. But for the actual training, yeah, we had trips planned to Norway this year. And sort of last year, we had some trips to Snowdon. So basically doing sort of expedition stuff that we need to do in order to be um, fully prepared to go. So we've had to postpone all of those, which has been obviously quite frustrating. And also because obviously the three of us are from London and the other two from South Wales. So you know, we don't see each other all the time. So we had lots of trips planned to meet up, to do, you know, team, obviously just as as for team dynamics as well, to meet up and train together. So obviously we weren't able to do any of that. So it has been challenging, I would say, I think in terms of trying to get us all together because it hasn't happened. I don't think we've all been together now properly since last February, I think. So over a year ago. So it's been challenging. There's been a lot of Zoom calls and a lot of um, WhatsApp texts and chats. (laughs) <laughs> yeah like everyone else i suppose yeah but i think you know we just have to get on the train on our own basically the physical stuff so you know pull, tire pulling lots of long walks obviously then the stuff in the gym weights and things so yeah it's just been a lot of them um, alone training
1: because i'm going to say how do you actually physically prepare for something like that because it's not mm. as if there's a local field you can go and pull an 80 kg sled to train no. or practice is it so
2: No, there's not. But you know what, there is a local food for us where we pull car tyres around, which is kind of, (laughs) so basically, it's similar to pulling a sled, you know, the car tyres aren't as heavy as the sled will be, but because of the friction that they cause, it basically kind of simulates that. And that is probably our main bit of training, really, obviously, in this country as well, being no snow. So we literally strap two tyres together to a harness, we put that on, and we just walk around the countryside, pulling tyres for hours, we look like absolute crazy women but um, you know it's really effective and it's actually quite hard to put so that is kind of our main sort of body of the training and will continue to be you know even more as we get closer to the expedition and we have started skiing on sand so um, when we went to Scotland um, a year last February to do cross-country skiing to learn how to do it the guys up there said you are able to do it on sand not many people have done it but there there is a possibility so This year, we managed to um, source some cross-country skis and decided to give it a go. So a couple of weeks, I was down on Barry Island Beach, skiing up and down on the skis. So me and George and the other girls. And it worked actually really good. It wasn't quite as good as as snow, obviously, but it actually worked quite well. So that's a a good avenue for us now to be able to sort of do the actual, you know, motion of skiing and kind of just get used to plodding along, pulling a tyre skiing on the beach so that's another way we've kind of adapted to not having any snow as well i think so
1: just rewind a couple of clicks did you say you've got to learn to ski before you even do the expedition
2: yeah that's right so we're all complete novices (laughs) in terms of um, nordic skiing and and expeditions really yeah we are all novices so we've really thrown ourselves into the deep end definitely
1: so on the website antarcticfireangels.co.uk it says Mm We're going on an expedition to empower women and tackle the stigma around mental health. Why is that personally so important to you?
2: Well, I think, you know, being in the emergency services, I've only been in fire service for three years. You do see some horrible things, unfortunately. And I, you know, have a lot of colleagues that suffer from PTSD and just dealing with past things they may have seen. And... I think it's just really important to realise that, you know, you, you can talk about these things and you shouldn't be ashamed or embarrassed or feel like you can't, you know, it needs with mental health, it needs to be okay to not be okay and just talk about things because I think that's the only way, you know, that people can can really sort of get out of maybe the hole they're in or past they try to, to put behind them. So I think it's really important that we we just try and get out there that it's absolutely fine, you know, if you don't feel great or, you know, you You've you've struggled with some things to just talk about it because it, you know, it's just it's really it's like having a physical illness. Having you're not feeling quite right mentally. It's there's no shaming it at all, and that's you know that's a big thing certainly in the emergency services that you know we're trying to push forward. I think especially maybe in the fire service where it's seen as more of a macho type of role. That stigma needs to go, really, because you know people need to talk. Because, well, it can be you know ultimately dangerous for people to not deal with it. So, it's something that we're really passionate about doing. Definitely.
1: I mean, yeah. five women doing something unthinkable—that's got fly on the wall documentary written all over it, hasn't it?
2: Well, yeah. We, you know, do you know what well, we would absolutely love to um, document you know everything that we're doing and have someone come and film our expedition and and also like the run-up as well to the expedition because I think that's probably one of the exciting things as well you know seeing the ins and outs and the the struggles and the the winds as well ups and downs I think it would be so interesting for the public to see and also if if we can get a documentary we're going to push that message that we want you know and also about we're an all-women's team so you know trying to just push the message out that women are capable of anything you know we can do everything if you want to do it and I think we need to be visible and I think having a documentary and being more in the public eye will certainly help in that.
1: You mentioned uh, being an all womens team it's not the first all-women's team you've been involved with obviously of Wales rugby how do you look back on your 19 caps of Wales?
2: Oh absolutely amazing you know When I started playing rugby, I just retired from rowing because I'd been injured and um, I started playing just because, you know, I was Welsh. I loved the sport. I'd always wanted to play it. Just for me, it was just a bit of fun and I could stay competitive, fit and healthy. And then to get into the Welsh team was a real, you know, it was a huge bonus for me and a surprise because it wasn't something I'd thought about doing um, previously. So... I think every day that I was in that team and playing and training with the squad and, you know, being able to tell people I was, you know, Welsh rugby player, it was just amazing. It was almost a dream, you know. I just absolutely loved every second of it because it was something I'd never thought I would end up doing. And it's an absolutely brilliant sport, as we all know. You know, it's the the nation's favourite in Wales. So to be able to say you played through the country doing that sport, it was just brilliant. You know, I I played with some awesome players. I played against some You know, absolutely amazing teams, best teams in the world, New Zealand, England, France. I got to go to the World Cup. I um, played at three Six Nations. So it was absolutely brilliant. You know, I had an absolutely amazing time.
1: What would you say was a personal highlight?
2: Oh, I think definitely. um, Yeah, well, obviously beating England in my first Six Nations game. And that was actually my first cap. That was amazing because, you know, obviously it was my first game. I didn't really know what to expect either. And so to beat England on that first game is brilliant because they are the ultimate enemy for us in Wales. Yeah.
1: But I, think, I do uh, maybe remember a few tears from that game, though. Is that right? Very
2: yeah, important. yeah. Unfortunately, I got injured in that game. Yeah, I did my shoulder. So um, I was absolutely gutted that I had to get dragged off the pitch. I was you know, It was absolutely devastating for me at the time, I think. But I luckily I carried on to play all the other games in the Six Nations. And I think the following year we beat France. That was another real highlight as well. because That was the toughle game, beating France at home. Then I think the, the probably the, my best one was just playing in the World Cup. It was just such a great experience. And to play against teams like New Zealand and Canada, where, you know, we, mm. in the women's game, you don't get to play against teams like that very often. So it was just such an awesome experience.
1: So uh, is there anything you can take away from rugby, which will get you through some dark times coming ahead because there are going to be some dark times in Antarctica, aren't you? Because you're what going coast to coast, 1,900 kilometres, pulling 85 kg supply sleds and temperatures that could get as low as minus 50. So is there anything from your rugby that might pull you through those dark times, do you think?
2: Oh, definitely. I think just, you know, when you play rugby, you've got to be pretty tough and hard. I mean, most, most of us play rugby with injuries constantly. And I think just, that kind of the grind and maybe just having that low level sort of aches and pains and um, that you experience when you, you know, when you're playing a game week after week, you just that just kind of becomes the norm. And I feel like in Antarctica, after a few weeks of just constant skiing every day, I feel like that's probably going to help me mentally, definitely. Just to kind of draw from those times and those experiences and know that I, you know, I made it through, I was all right in the end, you know, everything was fine. So and I think just the resilience maybe as well that I've got from, you know, the, all the training and the travelling as well to Wales when I was working and living in England. And when things weren't going so well in rugby as well, you know, say, we, you know, we were down, we were losing badly or just pulling on the experiences from that. When it comes to being in Antarctica, I think will be huge for me, definitely, because there is going to be, like you said, there's going to be a lot of ups and downs, definitely. Maybe more downs, I think, along the way, because we're going to be out there, what, three months, probably. And it is going to be the same old thing every single day. So, yeah, it was definitely going to help. And also, I think the team dynamics, because there's five of us, and it is just the five of us for three months. So I think just having the tolerance and being able to deal with different personalities and people, I think, will really help me.
1: On your website, it says, the tagline is, ordinary woman doing extraordinary things. Mm-hmm. Um, you've swung for Wales, rode for Great Britain, picked <laughs> up a silver in GB women's fours at the covered at Lusanne World Cup Regatta. You played for Wales in a World Cup. You've been beaten England, one of the few times that England have been beaten. Uh, what else have you done? you won numerous world championships in surf lifesaving, become a firefighter at 37. You're having a on, aren't you? You're not an ordinary woman. You're a superwoman, aren't you?
2: Yeah, you say that, but you know what like yeah you know, I still you know I am still an ordinary woman you know I still have to do the washing cook the food you know put the bins out like deal with the new puppy. still just doing like ordinary things I just happen to you know want to try and push myself and challenge myself further and I think I was lucky growing up by my parents where really gave me the confidence to just do that and don't worry if you fail or you know just get on with it and I think you know that's what hopefully this will just kind of inspire other women maybe to realize that you know just give it a go basically i think it's my mantra in life but just giving it a go and you know luckily i've been very successful but um i think yeah
0: The only other thing would be i suppose what do you make of looking at the wales women set up now and potential one day it could go professional in wales maybe a bit uneven with england and france at the moment what do you make of what you watch now compared to when you were playing
2: i think there needs to be a bit more of a development pathway i think definitely for the women's game i think that's you know we need to look at sort of grassroots up to develop them and you know ultimately towards the performance end of things but in terms of you know going professional i'm i'm absolutely gutted that i wasn't still playing rugby now or i'm not 10 years younger maybe even 15 now but um you know, because I would have loved to be, you know, a professional women's rugby player. You know, that's the ultimate thing, isn't it? I look at the England girls now, some of them, you know, I know quite well I used to play with them. They're just paid to play rugby now and they're having an absolute time in their lives. And that would be amazing. And I think, you know, you've, we've seen now the England women's team, how far they've gone now. And, you know, how the gap has increased away from, you know, the other domestic teams. And I think it's because they're professional players now. They don't have to do all of the other so that they don't have to have a full-time job or, you know, those kind of things. They can just focus on rugby and, you know, being the best they can be. And also they're having all of this time together as a team and that is massive, I think, in a team sport. So if Wales can go professional and the, the women can start to get paid, you know, to at least be full-time, then that is going to, you know, do massive, massive for the, for the women's game in Wales. Huge, yeah.
0: So I suppose, go back to the time when you were beating England and France, mm-hmm. that was just a more level playing field back at that time wasn't
2: it yeah definitely definitely and you know it's really interesting I you could start to see the gap starting to move while I was still playing in my last kind of year or so you know certainly England sort of the year before the World Cup started they were being paid full-time I think at that point and you could really see the difference in just the time you know the hours that they had together I think as a team you you know they were really starting to pull away from the rest of us you know, from Scotland, Ireland and Wales, you could definitely see that. And um, I know France are a bit kind of semi-professional. Some of them are full-time, some of them are not. They're kind of in the middle now, I think. But yeah, certainly um, certainly back when I first started, it was much more of a level playing field. And I think the results showed that, you know.
0: Just finally, when do you think you'll be able to do this challenge?
2: So we're planning for 2023. So we've always had that date in mind. even when we started, we've given us plenty of time which is a good thing now obviously with the pandemic. So we still plan to go in November 2023. We've also got a lot of fundraising to do. And I think that is probably the hardest thing that I, I've never done anything like this before. And the fundraising side of things is probably the biggest and hardest thing that we kind of have to, we, we deal with every day. So trying to raise the funds to actually go on the expedition and do sort of the training trips and everything is probably the, the toughest thing. And so we have had to give ourselves plenty of time to get that.
0: And best of luck to Rebecca in her training, fundraising, and then the challenge. Check out the Antarctic Fire Angels website for more details. More next week, of course, but until then, from the Welsh Rugby Union podcast, goodbye and stay safe.